Okay, so let's pray and then we'll dig into the material. Father our God, uh, we just praise you and acknowledge you, our God, and your, to your church. Um, we are simply maybe stirred somewhat of what you want done here and what you're doing here. Not limited by us, but we get to maybe be a little part of that. And this issue we're going to talk about, about selection of elders in your church, is really important. And uh, we just pray that the things we say uh, will be what you once said, and that your will will be done in our churches as it is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> elder selection is really, really, really important, I think. Um, and um, we've all got some experience in that, I think. And we're not experts in that at all. One of the things I love <laughs> hearing is the stories from other churches and what they're doing. But I am 62 years old, and all that's been spent in Churches of Christ that have elders, and I've seen a lot of different process and lack thereof. Um, and I'm happy to say I hear a lot of good things now. But for a lot of us, even, the idea of elder selection, I don't know how that makes you feel in your heart. Some, it's kind of like, ugh, you know, um, because of different things. In our church, our church is, I think I figured up, it's about 43 years old. And I came to it about five or ten years into its existence. But I know for a fact, when I was there early and some times before me, for about the first 25 years of our church, elder selection was usually a painful experience in our church. Uh, it usually resulted after a uh, minister had gotten had left or whatever, and then people were upset, so we're going to get new elders. Uh, or people left, and we, you know, had a splant where we, you know, planted another church, not voluntarily, but involuntarily, <laughs> and it's time to have new elders, have elder selection. And so it's always kind of painful. And, and even not just new elders, but everybody resigned, yeah. and all new elders was kind of the Right, and you had to go through that process again. Yeah. But in the last about uh, 15 year, 18 years, uh, I've seen some really good things happen and neat things happen, and we've kind of established a process we've used the last three times that we will share with you here in a little bit. Uh, we titled this The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. We're not going to talk much about the bad and the ugly, but I've got to share a couple of stories, and you've probably got some you've seen. Uh, I even remember, I didn't share this one with you, though. I even remember back as a teenager, about 16 years old, sitting in church one Sunday, hearing an announcement that my dad's name was being put up for elder. And I fear went through my body. Number one, I was his only child over the age of accountability that hadn't been baptized, 1971-ish. So you can imagine what that meant. And so I could see the pressure building in that regard. And... Uh, and I remember I rebelled against that pressure and didn't respond to that. And my dad was a very gracious, wonderful man. I, I don't think he ever intended any of that or wanted that. But I also remember a few weeks later when he probably criticized because he had a son that wasn't been dumped yet that uh, he would moved his name from that process. That's a painful process. Um, I remember some of those times at Southwest early on. I was still very young. I remember I hadn't been there very long, and we'd gone through a bad time, and so all the elders resigned, and we're starting a new 
uh, elder selection process. And I remember one particular man, it was very clear he was campaigning for the job. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. Um, I think there's a fine line between desiring a noble purpose and campaigning for that. Uh, I think, uh, God's will, he was not selected. Uh, but that was kind of eye-opening and kind of scary and such. Um, I know of a large church in the South, even just about three or four years ago, where I have a friend that uh, got a call at his work on about 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. And one of the other elders came to him and said, Hey, your name's been put up in the, by the elders. We'd like to know if you'd serve as an elder. He said, Well, let's talk about that. Let's think about that. He said, Oh, well, I kind of need to know to tell the elders not at our meeting if you're in or not. And he said, well, that's the process. I'm out. You know, uh, I can't imagine that, but that, you know, that's still out there and such. So um, let's talk about, that's enough about the maybe not so good. Let's talk about the good. And I've shared, I've visited with a lot of different churches the last few months when I, when I told Mike I'd do this class uh, and have heard a lot of good things about process in a lot of different uh, places all over the country. Uh, and such. So let's talk a minute or two here about just elder selection in general, and then we're going to share some of our process and stuff with you. One thing I do um, kind of want to mention is that a really good article, John Mulliken on the Hope Network, uh, on his blog, there's a really, really good article. If you'll just go to the Hope Network and look, and it's, it's there on elder process and selection, highly recommend that uh, to you and for your consideration. Okay. Uh, let's talk about scripture. That's always a good thing to talk about. Unfortunately, in the, elder of elder select, in the area of elder selection, there is very little guidance from scripture on how you go about doing this, isn't there? I mean, you go and you look and you're just like, eh. Which, which hasn't stopped us from making some very uh, harsh uh, lines that we draw sometimes on other issues where there's very little guidance. And so... So many of the churches we've grown up in, have, uh, or that I've grown up in, had a very set system, even though there wasn't very much guidance from Scripture, which was always confusing to me. I didn't know they really got that. Right. And that's why I won't be critical, even of that church that I don't want that process, but if that works for them, they feel that's spirit-led. And I will talk more about that in a minute. Um, but I will tie to, I want to share three texts. Uh, the first one's Acts 20, verse 28. And... Um, Paul talking to those Ephesian elders who you know he had a very special relationship with. And he says to them, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That shouldn't surprise us, should it? Especially as we're talking this week at Pepperdine about spirit-filled people. And, that, and I've always kind of talked in terms of that, but it really hit me as I was preparing this class that that's what we want to happen is that the Spirit chooses our elders. Our Spirit has, the Holy Spirit has selected them and made them overseers. Now, in, in Acts 14, uh, verses 21 and 23, talks about uh, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. In that case, Paul and Barnabas says appointed them. In Titus 1.5, Paul tells Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished, that sounds like interesting work, <laughs> and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, probably the idea 
and our fellowship especially of one person, especially the preacher picking the elders, doesn't go well, right? And it doesn't go well also in our American culture of democratic systems in play, right? And we have to balance that. So what's the balance between, we don't see that in scripture at all, but we live in a culture that elects people, right? And has these democratic processes. So how do we balance some of that with the goal, again, I think, of having a process that we can at least feel like the Spirit had an opportunity to step into and guide that process and allow that process to happen. And so I come to one fundamental thing. You'll see it in our, we're going to share our timeline with you. It's a very lengthy process. And I think that's good, very honestly. In my life, when I have rushed ahead and acted pretty quickly, I've usually rushed ahead of the Spirit. And it hadn't gone well. And it's interesting to me in Scripture and and. Trying to think who's, who said it. Uh, all the stuff I've heard now, it's all kind of like, okay, was that Rick Ashley or that Brian, Brian Zahn or was that Christine Kane? But when those disciples in Acts chapter 1, uh, first thing he told them was to wait. Wait, yeah. wait on the Spirit. And I think that's good advice for us in this process too. Um, and such. So, um, I want to mention too, just a minute, uh, we're not going to spend time in 1 Timothy 3 or, 1, or Titus 1 and the kind of qualifications, <laughs> characteristics type uh, text that you have there because that's not the purpose of ours. But I will say this. I think you're going to have to wrestle with that. And you're going to have to wrestle with how you deal with that in your process. Okay? Uh, I will just share with you from us, and, and this is just us. We, we look at that as, as qualities, not necessarily a, a, a checklist of qualifications. You see that? It's a big difference. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons I say that, and we've come to that conclusion, is I think if you take it as a checklist, I don't know if you'll find anybody that will ever serve. Jesus Christ wouldn't serve as an elder if you take the checklist. Okay? Um, but I do think there are critical qualities that we want in the men that will serve in that capacity. So, maybe what is needed is a process that is prayerfully, hopefully, spirit-led and consistent with that leading also provides for input from the church because that input can also be part of what the spirit's doing to lead in this process. And another thing we talk about is maybe what's needed is a process that allows for the church and its current leadership to identify shepherds, and you're going to hear that a lot in our process. That's part of what we talk about, is identifying shepherds that the Holy Spirit has already formed and appointed and are ready to serve in your church. Okay? And I think that's a different thing. Does that make sense? So, so one phrase that we use in that is instead of appointing elders, we're recognizing elders. There, there are already many people in our congregation that are shepherding. Uh, and that are and, and we are appointing or we are recognizing them and asking them to join this leadership team that, that their call now is to shepherd in a, in a little bit different way. That's been important. That was an important realization to me when I first came to Southwest when we started using that language. Really influenced by uh, Lynn Anderson's book, They Smell Like Sheep, uh, back, what, 20 years ago, 15 years mm -hmm. ago? Uh, and influenced by, by some of those, those thought processes of of shepherds are not 
board of directors. Shepherds are not uh, the the way. Again, I can't remember who said this, uh, but in the last two days, someone has said uh, you you put an elder on the elder board that's a successful businessman because then they might give, and and that is not that's not they're not always shepherds. Uh, they they might be very good men, but they're not always shepherds. Okay, so now we're going to move to and just share with you our process, and Doyle's going to kind of take the lead in regard to that. So, so a couple, couple of things here. We printed our timeline for you. I'll pass it uh, That would be awesome. I had a professor that used to just throw them uh, and, and have everybody find them. But I want to tell you, we didn't print everything. We have lots of uh, <coughs> documents up here that we use throughout the, the process. Uh, that have been important to us, and some more, they're, they're just more specific and, and unique, I think, than others. But I want to point out to you, uh, before, we, before you run up here and get these, uh, on the backs of, of the timeline that we're printing, there's a QR code if you, if you know how to use that, but there's also, you can go to pepperdine.southwest.org, so that's just a, a backdoor to our website, and it'll have all these documents in PDF form if you just want to review them. Uh, that way you don't have to carry all the paper home in your luggage and that kind of thing. We, we started, we thought it was important, and, and this is my, so I've been through this process uh, twice. One as a prospect, as an elder, uh, four years ago uh, when they asked me to join this, this team. And then this year is on the team leading this process. And one of the things that we thought was very important is that the entirety of the eldership is not burdened by this process for the entire length of time because it, it's about a uh, September through March is what it, it lasted for us. So a, a lengthy six months or so process. And, and that all, at, at that time for us, all 12 elders were in on every decision and every uh, uh, document that was printed and every meeting that was planned. But that was just, that would be very burdensome. burdensome. and Because you and, still have to do what, you know, the, the work of, the church of eldering and shepherding right. while this is going on. You can't right. just stop the church while you do this. So the way we decided to do it was we uh, appointed, uh, we, vol we were voluntold three, three men in, in the group uh, to kind of lead us through this process with one uh, particularly, and, and it, was, it was kind of messy how that happened, but one in particular kind of head of that. Uh, so we met, the three of us met, I was on that team with two of our other guys, and we met uh, and just kind of formed this from some of the things we learned over the past, this process. Again, this is our process. This is not the process. Uh, but, but we have learned some things from it. And we learned some things from this one. I have a, a sheet of notes from, from what we've learned from this one. So just some highlights. We, we call it in four phases. Uh, we, but we, and before you get through the phases, yeah. let me just mention two things real quick. Uh, and Malkin talks about this in his deal. When you do elder selection, it may be also a good time, and we had this happen this time, where an elder can exit the eldership. Uh, and we had two that were considering it, and about halfway through this process, one said, you know, I want to stay in and serve with these guys, and, and that kind of thing, and, and, it, and it wasn't any negative reasons to exit. Another one, his workload was such that he didn't need to exit. When he had announced that to the church, he was going to help through the process of uh, to getting new guys in, and then he would exit. And that seemed to go well. Yeah, yeah. And, and try to be as transparent as we can on all this. Yes, sir. And Joe, just size and scale, how big is Southwest Church of Christ? Southwest, our average Sunday morning attendance is 650 to 700. Okay. Uh, our eldership is currently 11 plus 6 is 15. 
Uh, and we'll probably add another one, and we'll talk about that here uh, in the next two or three Membership months. Membership on the roll is about 1100 Yeah. And you have Deacons as well? well? We can talk about that. Good question. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yes. Yeah, but yes. We don't call them that. But we yes, don't sir. call them that. Do elders serve terms, or is it like forever? No, not, not in our process. They're not terms. We, we do have the, uh, in our agreement, we have the opportunity to take sabbaticals. Jerry? Has mm -hmm. taken take took uh, a couple of years ago took about a uh, four or five months year, sabbatical. It seemed like for me sabbatical <laughs> four months four months sabbatical to do a, to accomplish a couple of things. One was writing his book, uh, finishing up a book, and one was a project for the elders. Uh, so so we have those things built built in, but we do not uh, we have not seen it necessary to, to serve terms uh, and that kind of thing. So our our four phases uh, we start with teaching and feedback from the body. And let me just talk about our, our teaching for a second. Brian Mashburn is our preaching minister. Brian's been with us for about 12 years now. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. And we've done this three times. So we kind of build on that uh, using our, our website for that. Uh, so we don't reteach what we've taught before. We try not to. There are three sermon series that we have done that are on our website now. There were two before this last September, or October is when we started. Uh, and those are actually on that uh, on our website there where you can go to. We've, we've listed those if you want to go listen to them. The very first one is more specific in dealing with some of the questions like, what about the qualifications listed in, in Timothy and Titus? Uh, once we had talked through that once, uh, we could just refer our congregation to that. We thought that that was a lot easier, and we could deal with some more heart matters of shepherding. Uh, so we did a four-week series, and and you can see through the in the timeline uh, – Kind of the, the direction we went, something that we thought was important uh, was intentional sharing from our cur current shepherds. So you'll see in there in the timeline, the first week one of our guys shared as a shepherd, this is a shepherd that was important to me in my life. And why? He shared a personal story from that. We had another one later on uh, that shared, this was a time when one of the, we, we called that one I think biblical sheeping, uh, where, how, to be a, how to be a good sheep. And he, he shared about a time when a family let him walk with them through some of their struggles and shepherd them through some of their struggles and how much that blessed him, that that is the way that the congregation can bless their elders is let us shepherd, let us walk with you in its heart and that kind of thing. So, so Roger shared that. We also recognized our, our former elders uh, that, have, that have resigned uh, for one reason or another, usually just because of uh, age and health problems. Um, we, uh, we provided um, just, just a few things that we provide. A, a small group discussion guide where we have, uh, we believe in our small groups. We believe that that is a place in a church our size where, where discipleship is going to happen more actively. Uh, and so, and uh, through this process, we believe that's where the conversations will happen that are, that are most fruitful. So we provided this time two uh, uh, shepherding specific guides for our small groups. Uh, we've provided before some videos that go along with those. This time we decided not to do that. So in four weeks, we asked our small groups to hit uh, twice and have those discussions. Uh, we provided a, a congregational expectant prayer, prayer guide. And, and let me say this. Yeah. We have about 78% of our church are in small groups. So that's a very effective place to do some of that teaching and stuff too in discussions. Uh, we, we provided 
within this time, uh, a time of expect, what we call expectant prayer. Uh, uh, we had done this as a leadership group uh, leading up to this time. Uh, and what we mean by expectant prayer is, is many times uh, my prayer life is full of praise and full of asking God to do specific things. This is more asking God to guide, simply to guide. And so we ask very open-ended questions like, God, remind me what the church means to you. We ask questions like, God, who do you want leading this church? And, and we expect God to answer those questions and lead us in those ways. So this is a two-week guide, uh, and we have a few of these that are printed uh, that, that you can come up here and look, or you can download these. Uh, the first week is focused on personal growth for the, for, the congregation, for, the, for the person in the congregation, and the second week is, is focused toward our corporate effort together. Uh, so uh, we love that. Uh, and these are, these are simple. It's a bunch, I say I wrote this. It's one question for God and a bunch of lines for us to listen, right? Not a bunch of words for us to talk about. So uh, we did that. Yeah, let me talk, if I can, just briefly about it. Sure. This is, I think, very powerful. Uh, Doyle downplays this. He, he put this together every time we've done this, I think. It's very powerful. We get a tremendous amount of imp uh, feedback from the guys going through the process in regard to this. Uh, it's two weeks. It's the first week will be... Uh, most of them, it'll be really tough, really hard. And then the second week kind of kind of is more, I don't know if you want to say positive or whatever. Now, this is actually, and I want to make clear, this is actually in phase two. No, no, no. Isn't it? No, this you're one is about the, the one for the congregation. Oh, okay. That one's the one for the Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get to that. I'm sorry. Okay. So he drafted that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I did. The, yeah. So. Well, uh, the other things in phase one, during our teaching, remember this is all during teaching and really trying to orient us to... God, who do you want to shepherd this church? So it's asking God those questions as a congregation. It's teaching. It's small group. Uh, it's shepherd sharing during that time. And then at the end of that teaching, and, and in this guide, by the way, we provide this. Uh, we provide the form that we're going to give them at the end of the teaching, which, which asks three questions. And this is the form that we give them. We have some of these printed, too, if you want them. It's, it's pretty simple, but it was this is pretty earth-shaking for me because... Growing up in my congregation, the church I grew up in that I love, uh, but they said, who should elder this congregation? Nominate the people that should be elders of this congregation. We asked these questions. Um, who, are, who at Southwest uh, does God use to shepherd you? Man, woman, child, husband, wife, whoever. Who does God use to shepherd you? Because we believe that everyone needs to be shepherded and everyone needs to be shepherded. That, that is a value of ours that, that will go on forever, I believe. That, that Bible teaches us that you should be shepherding, and you should be shepherded by someone. You should have a, uh, a Paul in your life. You should have a Timothy in your life. Uh, so uh, that's important to us, and for a couple of reasons. If we see small group leaders' names aren't on here, that gives us some health issues that we need to look at for our small group. So we, we uh, share that information with our small group minister, Ryan, and, and that kind of thing. We also ask them on the forum... Uh, who's your small group leader? Because we think that's important to know if they're in a small group, who their leader is, that kind of thing. Um, the second question we ask them is, who at Southwest do you see using to shepherd others? All right. So Jerry may not be shepherding me. He does. But Jerry may not be shepherding me, but I may see Jerry shepherding all over the place. We want his name on there. All right. So again, we're recognizing shepherds. We're not appointing them, saying, 
Yeah, he may not shepherd anybody now, but we'll put his name down. Maybe, hopefully, he'll grow a shepherding bone in his body, right? And then the third question is, of the shepherds listed above that you listed, what men, we, we have the value of men, shepherds, men, elders, uh, what men would you like to see joining, consider joining the Southwest Church of Christ Eldership Group? All right, so if you didn't put them above as you see them shepherding you or you see them shepherding others, we don't want their name down here. And so that is the form that we give to our church. Uh, we give, them to, give it to them in here, and then we give it to them at the end of the teaching time to get back to us in two weeks. You can see that in the timeline. And that's uh, kind of all of all of phase two. Let me, let me tell you a story about that. Um, and our church is beginning to learn this system, which is good. But the second time we went through this, uh, we had a group of our, actually our, our older ladies and widow ladies, and they, they uh, came to us and said, we need to meet with y'all. So okay. So we sat back with the elders. They said, you know, we got a question. It says, we know a bunch of us put a guy down, and y'all didn't ask him to serve. And we said, well, you can see what's happening here. They had somebody they wanted to get elected, okay? And because, we said, because he voted their party line. Yeah. yeah. And we said, now, you know, we don't just go by that third question. We also look at those first two to see, and when this, and this gentleman, he hadn't been identified as one who's shepherding them or shepherding others. So you see what's happening? It's the old school Democratic, we'll just vote kind of thing. And such. So there's some discernment by those three questions that's really valuable for you to do. Which, which is our next phase. That's, that's walking into our next phase. So we get that to the congregation. We've taught them. We've, we've seen God on it. Uh, and, and then we get the feedback from the, from the congregation. That's the way we do that. And I, I think this is important that you have just a trusted person that it can be confidential that all those things come to and they can put it all together because it, I think it is helpful to have all those uh, compiled together. Uh, so I'm the one that does that for, for us uh, just because it ends up being my role. Uh, but, but finding someone that is trusted, it was a, before I came along, it was a secretary that we just trusted very, very much that would put all those numbers together for us. We, at, at the beginning of the discernment, we also communicate uh, to to everyone that was listed at the top of this as uh, he shepherds me, he or she shepherds me, he or she shepherds others. Everyone in our church that is listed on that, and it was about 500 and something people that were listed out of our 650 regular attendants were listed on the top two portions of that, <laughs> that they are shepherding someone. That's victory to us. That's our church is shepherding each other. That's what we want. Uh, so we send everybody, and I have this letter up here somewhere, everybody uh, in the church that, that their name was mentioned, a letter just saying, thank you. You were mentioned as a shepherd by at least one person. Uh, we also take this time when we're compiling all these numbers, and we compile them as shepherds me, shepherds others, and recommended as an elder. Uh, and we look at those numbers. We look at our own numbers as elders. And it's a red flag to us if... Uh, my name all of a sudden doesn't have anybody that I'm shepherding. That's a red flag uh, because sometimes we get in as elders, we get busy, and we stop shepherding. We start we are doing other things. Uh, so so that's an important thing for us to have real conversations with each other. Uh, and then we enter in a time of discernment. You can see it on the schedule, kind of how how we do that. A discernment with the elder group and looking at those forms and looking at who's popping. And we don't have a number set. Uh, we just see it 
the Spirit kind of leads us to, to which ones to invite in, uh, reaffirming each other. Uh, we we spend some time uh, talking. There's many times that we spend some time talking to individuals that that their names may have shown up, but we have we know some concerns that we already have, and we want to talk through that with them. Uh, sometimes that we come to agreement on that. Sometimes it's no, we understand. We don't, we don't need to enter into that right now uh, for whatever reason. They had that kind of discussion with me uh, when they asked me to come in because it's a unique thing for me because I'm on staff. I'm, I've been full time there for. 17, nearly 18 years now. Uh, and, and so that was a unique conversation they needed to have with me before I would enter into the conversation. And then once we've made those initial, we made an initial set eight uh, invitations into the process, they come to what we call decision point number one. Decision point number one is simply, I will enter into conversation with God and you guys to discern uh, whether I should go further into the process. This is not a time where that we announce their names to the church. That's that's a little bit later. And at that time, uh, we, when they entered into the, into the process, we have a time of worship together uh, as elders and uh, prospects is what we call them at that point. And then we give them uh, this prayer guide. And again, it's available on that, that website. It's on the back here. And there's six or seven of them available up here. And I'll tell you, this was written by me, but man, I I stole it from a lot of different people and Brian helped me with it and uh, we've changed it over the years. Uh, but this is a 14-day uh, guide, a two-week guide for the prospect and the elders to go through and it is discerning, am I supposed to be an elder at Southwest? It is a study guide, there's a scripture at each one, there's a time of praise, there's a time of confession, uh, there's a time of asking God and there's there's room for journaling. Uh, there's a time of listening, uh, and there you can look through that sometime if you want to. But they're they're guided specifically for, am I supposed to be a shepherd? Yeah. And there's there's a call. This one I just called it desiring a noble task. Uh, but on our website it's called on the on that back door that I listed there. It's called uh, Elder Discernment Daily Devo is what I call it on there. It's on the back side. About five down on that, on that, yeah, right there. Doyle, I think in that too, is or not? Correct me if I'm wrong. There's there's prompts in there toward having conversations yeah. with spouse and with your children during that process too, which I think are really valuable. Right. We <coughs> there are times that we're calling them to pray for their spouses, uh, their and their children. There are times that we're calling them to have specific conversations with spouses and children, depending on spouses and our children's age too. Uh, I mean, we want them to have the conversations with children no matter what the age, but it. It changes if your children are off at college or, or grown and married and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and during that process, we also call them to have at least two conversations with, with current elders, conversations and prayer times with current, current elders to help them in that discerning process. And then we get together uh, and meet about that, and they make decision point number two, uh, and that is that we are willing, we, we want to go further into the process and we are, we want to be announced, or we're willing to be announced to the church. At this level for us this year, we invited eight in, and uh, one said, through this two-week discernment, I'm, I have discerned that it, it's not time for me, and I don't want to step in further into the process. And I think every time we've had at least one yeah. come to that discernment. Yeah. Have, we, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever discerned among yourselves at one student? 
not later in not the process at this point. we have. Okay. But later in the process. Later in the process we at, have. At this point, I think uh, we probably wouldn't. This is really uh, between the, the candidate and God or the, the prospect and God of will I walk into the rest of the process where we do more of the discerning there. Um, but we've heart, I think we've had one time that I remember in my time at Southwest that someone didn't at least step into that part of the process. But we've had one every time that through this prayer time, I uh, said, uh, God is not leading me to that. And, and one other question. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like that, them getting to this two-week study to discern it. How are you getting someone past that initial contact saying, oh, no, I'm not, that's not for me. I, I want them to, to grow to this. How, how does that happen? Well, one of the things is what we're inviting them to is not to be an elder. Right? If you go to some, I think, if you go, if I went to Jerry and said, Jerry, I want you to be an elder. He would, he might say, oh, no, 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 I'm not the guy for that. I'm inviting him to this. I'm saying, Jerry, we want you to go with God and discern. We, we would, we do think that you might be an elder after this, but we want you to go to God. And so it's a little bit different ask. Uh, it's actually a bigger ask, I think. Uh, but I think that's why more if, people have not said no. Yeah, if someone said no, absolutely no to that, we would respect that. Uh -huh. And uh, but most time they they'll do that. Now there we did have some conversations with some people that had a lot of response that they're shepherding other people and shepherding people, and they should maybe look at being in the eldership or even just a large number. And we did go have some individual conversations with those that we did not invite into the process because we knew with them some things going on in their life. They're just swamped with so many things going on. They've still got a lot of young kids at home and dealing with all that, that this is probably not a good time, but we wanted them to know that. So that's kind of addition to send those letters out. And those conversations usually go really well. The, the desiring the office is really becoming a stumbling block to it's, some. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, that's not a, and I, I like what you said. I don't want someone that does necessarily desires that appointment. Mm -hmm. It's a fine line. It is. Exactly. And, and I, but, but, but I understand the humility of someone saying, oh, but I want to keep and, going and where I can just speak personally where I came to on that because I didn't desire it, uh, but or I came to personally on it because I'm called to desire it if I'm going to yeah. take it, is I desire it because God's calling me to it. And, and I don't want to live outside of what God's calling me to. It's miserable. I've been there. And so that's, that's why I desire it. Uh, because because I know that's that's life for me is being where God's called me to. So uh, so phase three for us we'll walk through these a little bit faster maybe. Uh, phase three again starts with decision point number two, which is I've gone through this. I'm ready to have my name put before the church. So it's a it's a public more public discerning and acclamation <laughs> is kind of what we call it. Uh, the public discerning is the church now is invited into this and they know their names. We ask them to. To pray for them, we send an, we make an announcement to the church. We send them a letter with a list of the men's names. Uh, we ask them to pray. We ask them to bring their concerns to us during this next time, which last uh, this one lasted about three months uh, because we we spend time discerning. Uh, we we think it's very important. There's a lot of things for us to to get to know. I can't imagine and now. I didn't know my wife for as long as my mom wanted me to know her before I proposed to her, but I can't imagine me going up and, and, and saying, hey, you want to go out and the next day proposing to her. Now that I think through that, that's about what my dad did with my mom, so maybe it works, I don't know. Um, 
It's risky though. It is risky, yeah. Uh, so one of the, some of the things that we do, and you'll see our meeting schedule, and, and some of that I'll, I'll explain in our the way we're set up to lead. Okay, uh, we we about three years ago uh, discerned that that leading as a group of twelve, everybody trying to do the same thing was just banging our heads against the wall. Some aren't gifted for some of these things, and some just don't love it. Uh, so we're set up with three different kind of committees. Uh, we have our vision team. The, there's an importance for us to keep our vision team small uh, because the vision types of all church uh, thought processes are hard to do in big group. And, and not so many people uh, think in big, big picture vision. We have what we call the care team, which is charged to care for the church in every way that you can think of, whether that's caring for our missionaries, caring for people that are sick, caring for, for people that are missing, caring for people that are hurting, uh, all those kind of things, they're, they're charged with that. And then an even smaller administrative team, because of my service on staff uh, as kind of the administrative minister, uh, I chair that team with one other elder uh, that we bounce ideas off of, but that's just taking care of all the nuts and bolts of making church happen, or not church happen, Making the business side of the church happen. You know, you know what I mean. People got to get paid. We got to do payroll, right? Uh, so admin team, taking care of vans, all that kind of stuff. All right, so it's important for us for when we're inviting six new guys that some of them grew up in the Church of Christ, and this is not the way their church functioned, right? Uh, and so they assume they're just coming into a board of elders like their dad was on and their granddad was on. It's important for us to then, for them to experience what it's like to be a shepherd at Southwest. So we invite them in. Uh, there's one time we asked them all to go to the care team meeting. And at the care team meeting, the, the chair of the care team at that time, which is one of our ministers, by the way, uh, not one of our elders, because well, we'll, we can talk about that some other time. Uh, his charge there was to indoctrinate them on what the care team is about. We invited them to come to the vision, vision team if they were interested when we had our vision team meetings in our rhythm of meetings, uh, they could come to that. Several of them did. They wanted to see what we did in the vision meeting. Some of them came to one and said, I never want to come back to another vision meeting. Uh, and, and I can't blame them after that vision meeting. Uh, the admin team is, is, the way we're functioning right now, we really didn't invite them to any meetings because those, those aren't really meetings. It's just kind of as-you-go kind of stuff. Uh, so, so it's important for us to, to get them experiencing our rhythms of meetings and that kind of thing. It's also, and you'll see on your schedule there, important for us to understand some of our core beliefs and core practices. And what I mean by core beliefs is not core beliefs. Our core beliefs are Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He's one triune God. All those things that we all know. We all know that we agree on that. You wouldn't get to this part in the process if we didn't agree on this. We're talking about some uh, maybe key beliefs would be a better, better thing to call them. And they're ones that are especially hot topics in our tribe. Uh, so we needed to talk through some things like, in, in what we called our key beliefs or core beliefs, like where we stand on the women's role, where we stand on instrumental music. Uh, what are things around there? I have all that. But, uh, oh, some, some of our uh, freedoms that we have in Christ and how we use those freedoms, right? Uh, because, because of our role. Uh, that kind of thing. Doing some work probably on how we view and look at Scripture. And read yeah, yeah, scripture that, and that's one. How, how we view Scripture, how we view, uh, how we, what is our hermeneutic for reading Scripture, right? Because we, we've grown up in command, example, necessary inference, and 
and we, we choose to look at it a little bit different way uh, when, we, when we look at Scripture. That's not what this class is for, so we won't get into that. Uh, but there's probably, there were probably about five or six yeah, things we yeah. worked through. And those are not necessarily, you have to agree with these, but I think it's, these guys need to know where the eldership they're joining is on those issues. So that a lot of times that's where you will have a guy comes up after a while and he says, you know what, I'm probably not quite there yet. Don't know that I've got issues. We had one guy this year with that, but I'm not quite comfortable with some of that, so I'm going to step out. Right. of the process, and, it, and it was again, a healthy way for that to happen. We we just that is so important to us. And again, I'll bring up the marriage because because this is a very important relationship when we're working together. Uh, if if I'm dating my wife and I find out she's a Longhorn fan, it's over. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if I find out okay, music is important to me. If if we get to know each other, and we find out that. I love music and she can't stand music. Well, that's, that's going to be a problem. Now, that's not even as important as some of the things we're talking about here. But, man, if we don't come in with mutual expectations, it's just a, a recipe for disaster, we think. The other things that we talk about, and we, we spend two Wednesday nights talking about these, are our core practices. Just some of the, the ways we operate uh, that, that you need to know as you're coming into this family of leadership, this is the way we operate. Those are things like uh, this system, which they had gotten by then, but this is the system that we operate in. The relationship between ministers and elders. How, well, how does that work? Am I the, is Jerry my boss, or, or is, uh, is the senior minister the boss over everybody, and how we function that way? So we, we get to talk about that. Uh, uh, our, we have a, a covenant or a, a leadership agreement, a code of conduct, and we have a copy of it here, and it's on the uh, it's on the website. And this is something that all the elders end up signing at the at the end of the process. But we go through this. These are the ways that we if if it's a six five vote, it's not minority rule. Now, the majority may choose to do what the minority has said out of their love for the church or their love for whatever's going on, uh, those kind of things. Uh, but those things are listed in here, and. Uh, what we call dynamic governance. Uh, it's, a, it's a version of dy dynamic governance, if you've ever been introduced to that. It's how we have discussions and make decisions. And boil it down, it is everybody gets a word, uh, and your job is to worship as you listen, right? Uh, and, and it is an act of worship as we listen to each other, expecting that, that Jerry was put in that room for me to hear not for me to convince, right? And so we, it takes consent from everyone to make a decision. Uh, if there is a paramount objection, we'll stop. We'll have the discussion again. If we get to a point where we have to make a decision and we have to vote, we do vote. Uh, but that hasn't happened in six or seven years. And the, the, the real gist of this dynamic governance is that we believe that uh, the Holy Spirit speaks through all of us. And... I trust the voice of all of you even more than I trust my own voice individually. Right. And so I want to hear from everybody and through this discern what the Holy Spirit has for us as a group. And so most of the time through this process, it never comes down to, it's almost always a, we have consent of the whole group to move forward with yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, so those are some of the things that we discussed, make sure everybody understands this is how our family operates uh, and that kind of thing. We scheduled during this discernment time uh, we scheduled one this time, and this is one of the corrections I'd like to make next time we do this. Uh, 
time for our wives to meet together. Uh, and because, again, Sally might have grown up in a church where her dad was an elder and she never saw him and he, she, he was always angry about the church. And so she's got a lot of misgivings about church uh, where she can meet with our, our wives and then say, no, that's not what it's like. Yes, it is a calling that you make sacrifice to as an elder's wife. But it, it, this is how our guys function. We, we, we fight for each other's families. Uh, that is that's first on our battleground is fight for each other's families. So they had one time of prayer uh, together, I think, in the future. And then they since we've ordained, uh, they've had another brunch kind of thing together uh, just to pray together and, and enjoy each other. Uh, but I think the next time we go through this, we would involve wives a lot more. That's, that's just where I'm feeling. Um, one of the things, one of the big events that we, we schedule on here that you'll see on your timeline is a discussion of a vision topic. Uh, it's a, it was a three-hour Monday night uh, elders meeting where we wanted to experience dynamic governance with 12, 18 plus ministry staff. So about 24, 25 people, which is hard to do because everybody has a word. Uh, and we wanted to discuss a hard topic for our church that we're actually, uh, it, it wasn't just a game that we were playing. We wanted to make a decision. We made a decision. It wasn't very good. Well, it was just kind of a, okay, we'll put that off to a later decision. But uh, like, yeah, we, we kind of tabled it, but there was reasons behind that. that uh, we kind of knew that was good. But here's what we discussed. We'll give this to you. Is this okay? Yeah. <coughs> Just don't tell anybody back at our church. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about this yet, okay? It's not, not out there for everybody. We, we discussed as a leadership because we wanted something real that would get you in the hearts. Like, if we discussed, hey, are we going to change the carpet? With If your elderships are changing, having those discussions, just please stop. Um, <laughs> we discussed, uh, because of some of the discussions that we had been having with our neighbors and people were inviting the church, uh, we discussed the... Uh, whether we or not we should take the name Church of Christ off of our building and off our sign because of the barriers that puts up to our community because of the judgments they have of our heritage. Uh, but the that, question we actually asked was a little different. Yeah, we yeah. asked the question to really, uh, do you believe scripture, uh, that scripturally we could change the name? Well, yeah, we asked, we, we asked two questions. We, the first question we asked was scripturally, is it okay for us to change the name? And we went around once, and we got full consent from everybody. This is our voting pattern. It's not Giggum, I promise. Uh, uh, we voted, and everybody was good with that. The next rounds, that took a little bit more time and a little bit more heart. Because you can agree that it's okay until it's our sign that you're talking about, right? And then it became a little harder conversation and a great conversation about our love for the lost, our love for people that have all that kind of stuff. So, And it was real. And it exposed some things in us, and it got it. It allowed us to have other conversations uh, that were very, very good. All right, what am I missing, Jerry? I, I think that's it. Oh, dealing with uh, any two. objections. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that we people always ask about. How do you deal with objections? And we do it every way that you can. It seems like uh, sometimes it is it is brought to the full eldership. We meet with uh, certain people that have an objection. Sometimes we say, "You have an objection with brother so and so. We think you should go talk to them." Uh, and some objections that were brought to us uh, have been brought to us in the past. We've met with the candidate, and they've decided to step out or step out for a certain time uh, to where then they can come back into the process uh, while they're dealing with stuff. So it's, we do deal with objections, uh, but we can't give you 
this is the way we do it every time because it depends on the situation, right? Uh, yes, yes, question. Yeah. So does this mean you're talking about is that with the, the perspective wants to join the fellowship? The one that we the, discussed, the, the hard one? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, we yeah. want them to experience that process. Experience that process. Okay. Because, because at some point, when they, if they join, we're going to have a hard discussion. Yeah. Uh, whether whatever it might be about, we we need to let go of a minister. Uh, it's going to be a hard discussion. So we we really thought it was important for them to again in the marriage thing. When I am counseling someone premarital and they say, "Oh, we've never fought," I'm like, "Well, you need to. <laughs> you need to see how you deal with each other when you fight." Now we didn't fight, but you need to see when you disagree. You need to see how you deal with each other. So uh, I thought it was a, a very good, not a very productive. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also it also shows how present leadership deals with stuff, even if everybody's in agreement or whatever, just the process of going through. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Very good. One yeah. of the things in that were practical, uh, most time you look at your eldership and you think, okay, these guys are probably, because everybody's a little different, or tend to be, you know, this guy or this guy, this guy are probably a little quieter, and these guys probably <coughs> talk more, and, and that's a reality. And so you tend to think, if you're not in eldership, you will think that they kind of have a tendency of the stronger personalities to push things through. What people will see in that dynamic governance, I think, is that that's, that is designed for that to not happen. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so you'll see those that are even a little quieter speak and be heard and valued, and it's a really good experience, good thing. Yeah. Uh, so phase four is last steps. Uh, phase four is the, the elders, the current elders meet, discuss, we have any misgivings, and I'll, I'll tell you, we've had times where we've, we've had guys that have gone through the whole process, and we get to a point where we say, like you asked earlier, we say, we don't think it's time. Uh, and we've, we've met with them, and in both ways, uh, we don't think it's time forever, and we don't think it's time for now. Uh, or not forever, that would be bad, but, but for this process, and, and sometimes, uh, Dan Johnson's example of this, he came in with, with you, no, right after you. Uh, Dan was at a point in his life where he just said, I can't do this now. It's not smart for me to do this now. And the elder said to him at that point, okay, but the invitation is open. And so when you're ready, when things settle down, come back to us. And that happened about six months later. That's a process we're in with someone else right now. That through this process, we discern together, it's not time now, but in about six months, I think we'll be... He's an accountant, for one thing. He's during uh, tax season. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like, yeah. you know, this let is not it, a good Let time. me get life settled down, take care of some things, and, and then I want to consider that again. So uh, we do that. We meet with the candidates. We This time, uh, it just so happens, I, th I think it worked out great, where we ended the process with a retreat for all of our leadership. Uh, and so we spent all day Friday and Saturday together. Saturday night, uh, we have a dinner for our our new elders uh, and their wives, and we have a time of worship together. We take communion together. Uh, we, uh, we, the actually the staff does a blessing over uh, the new elders, inviting them, asking the the new elders to shepherd us, <coughs> which is a really cool thing. Uh, nobody will listen to this from our, our church, but they they give us. Uh, Brian, I was trying to think who they buy us. Uh, they buy the new elder staffs, and the the just the the picture of what uh, your preacher is asking you to do is really cool. When he says, 
use this on me. <laughs> you know, whack me with it when I need whack, uh, guide me, prod me along. Is I just that's always meant a lot to me. And uh, also, all of our shepherds actually have a staff given to us by uh, our staff, um, <laughs> which for me is even weirder because it's like here you go, Joel. Uh, and then we have a, a service where we we don't like the the church I grew up uh, in. By the way, is Quaker Avenue Church in in Lubbock, Texas, uh, which I just love the heritage I have there. Uh, we ordained elders every three years, and we ordained deacons, and we didn't apologize for it. Ordaining it might be a Catholic word, but we it's like Brian's on. I like it. It's a good word uh, because all it is is setting something apart for for work. Right. And so we had a we had a service uh, this year of, of setting apart our new guys for work, and uh, we had a, one of our older members talk and. Uh, share and then we had uh, one of our current elders speak a, a word of uh, charge over the incoming elders and really all of the elders uh, and we worshiped together and what else did we do Jerry and I planned that one of the special things is then all the elders <coughs> serve the communion yeah, yeah. to the church that day with the new elders and stuff it's yeah. very powerful I think yeah the, so. the first uh, that was, that's one of my favorite things the first act as an elder is to serve the, the church communion which I think is pretty symbolic. I think y'all get that. So that's our process. Uh, there was a question earlier about deacons. I want to address that because that's one of the core uh, beliefs and core, and it's one of the things we taught about in our sermon series, by the way. And when I say taught about it, I talked about it for like a hot second and we're done. Uh, we've, we've discussed this a lot in deacons. Uh, this, this is another class on deacons. If, if you want to talk to me about it, I'd love to talk to you about it, but as most of you know, uh, deacon, the word deacon is a, a transliteration of the word diakonos or something, some form of diakonos. Uh, it is translated as, in scripture, deacon, which is less amount of times it's translated as servant or minister. And, and so the reality is what they're talking about when they're talking about deacons where they're talking about servants uh, or ministry leaders. And so because of our, our church heritage that has some baggage on deacons being kind of mini elders and, and having, you know, that kind of thing. We just wanted to call them what they were. We call them ministry leaders. And and that takes off all the problems with are they, you know, Phoebe and she's a female deacon, all that kind of stuff. They're just ministry leaders. And we look for qualities in our ministry leaders like is expressed in, in Scripture for deacons uh, because ministry leaders need to be uh, people that are worthy of respect, people that are not lovers of money, all that kind of, all those kind of things. So, so we have, and we ta uh, taught our church this. That we just, we simply call them ministry leaders. No, actually, we simply call them George and Misty, and, uh, and and we do commission them. We lay hands on them and commission them often for ministry. Uh, we we've, we've done that recently with people that are going out to do a specific ministry. They're leaders of ministry. And so we commission them as elders to go out and do those things. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a ministry within the church. Sometimes it's in our community. Uh, but that's, it, that's what we do. It's just what we do. Not the right way. It's our way. Okay. Question. Very good. Any other questions? Yes. So the one process that I've seen overlooked time and time again is the process about uh, being well thought of by outsiders. Uh -huh. Is that something you guys deal with in your process, and how do you deal with that? Because I just seen I, I've seen that just overlooked. Mm -hmm. I think it's done in an organic kind of way. I know that's an issue we talk about when the elders are discerning. Uh, we've also had some issues come up where 
uh, our members have come to us and said, hey, my friend knows this person outside the church and there's an issue here and we had to step into that and walk through that. Yeah. So that's we do think it's important. We, it. we do think it's very important. Because if, if Joe's an elder at that church and he's known to be a jerk at his office or wherever, uh, that doesn't reflect, on, that reflects on all of us. The, the entire church. And maybe all of us, we could even say, at least they may move to your town. Other questions? Anything? I know we kind of threw a lot at you. You're welcome to these materials up here as long as last. There's only a few copies. You also can get them off our website, that kind of thing. Be happy to stick around afterwards for a little bit and visit and answer more questions if you have any. Let me pray for us again and we'll be done. Father, I just uh, ask you to bless each church represented by the people in this room right now. And we would beg that your spirit uh, lead us and specifically lead us in our processes, uh, especially in the area of elder selection, but in every way, that our churches bring you glory and honor because you are so worthy. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the demonstration, the most powerful demonstration in all the world of your love for the world. And we love him, and we want the whole world to know him and to love him. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want to say one more thing. Uh, because Jerry and I have talked about this, we, in our, we had an elder meeting a couple of weeks ago, and it was after the process was done, and we're looking around at each other. And one of the things that was very powerful to me is that when I look around that room at all the new guys and all the current guys, I know that they're there because of the Spirit of God, not because of anything man has decided to do. I can serve with that all day long. When things get hard, the Spirit of God put all these men in this room. Uh, when, when things are great, the Spirit of God did all this, not us did all this. And so I keep on saying it's not the right process, it's, it's our process. The right process, the one ingredient, is the Spirit of God. And, and that's what I would just say from, from this, like just from this week here, that, that if, we're not, if we don't have some process set in that doesn't have the room for the Spirit to work, that's where I think we're going to go foul. So that's, that's what I'll leave with. Y'all have a great rest of the week. Yep. Thank you.